Welcome to uh, Developmental Disabilities Association's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Here uh, we are on National Accessibility Week in Canada, and we're connecting with people in the disability community, chatting about their experiences, maybe what's working, what's not, and what we can all do better to promote accessibility and inclusions, and hoping to raise a little awareness for the disability community. Joining me today is Nathan Shipley, a self-advocate who has cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair to navigate the world. He, he has a website called rollingwithnathan.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us, Nathan. I'm happy, happy you could be here. No problem at all. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> so what do public awareness events uh, like the National Accessibility Week mean to you? Um, good question. Thank you. Um, uh, I would say um there's always it, it's really good because it always raises uh, awareness um it all it's always good to raise awareness um um especially to make places accessible is always important and there, there is uh, we're making good progress but always having awareness weeks like this is always important um so do you believe that, that weeks like this are, are helpful in generating public awareness? So, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe they're helpful um, uh, in changing the narrative. However, um, like, like I was joking with my support aide earlier, there's, it, it should get to a point where there shouldn't have to be a national accessibility week. I mean, those, those are important and cool and all that stuff, but it should be it should be just something that people should be aware of eventually. And most people um, are, are fortunately. But it's always good, you know, always room to improve. Nothing, unfortunate, nothing unfortunately in the world is ever going to be perfect, I don't think. So um, as much as we try, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're in your 20s now. Um, so... You know, obviously, you've been dealing with cerebral palsy your entire life. You've been in a wheelchair for, the, for for that time. Do you feel like things are getting better for the disability community? Of course. Um, I would say in the last four or five years, there's a lot more awareness around, you know, building buildings. So they're not just accessible is good. Being accessible is really good. But... What they need to think about, and and um, we will talk about this, is make, making places accessible are good, but when they actually build the building, building it so it's something called universal design, universally designed and not necessarily accessible. Because accessible is good, but if you build it universally designed, then it would save you money in the long run because you won't. You, you won't have to renovate. You know, all the accessible features will already be there, and that's a place where we're already going. So that 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 is that is that is good. Um, I would say the city of Surrey is 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 a is a um, good example of that because they made a proclaim. They proclaimed last year that, or this past year, I don't know when it was that all all civic buildings will be built to the gold standard certification of the Rick Hansen Foundation, meaning that meaning that there will be no um, barriers to access, which is good. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really nice concept. I mean, for, you know, for decades since, you know, we've been around, that, 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 that whole idea of accessibility was, was sort of, you know, good enough, I guess. And so when you enter something like that, where you have this concept, and it, it is a concept, there's this, this, this idea of universal design, and everything we do is really maybe just a bigger global perspective uh, for the community at large. I really like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole goal of the Rick Hansen Foundation is to instill that universal design principle so that when they build buildings, they already think about that so they don't have to go in and, and spend like two hundred, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 in the future to, um, to build, to, to, um, to, to, you know, renovate. I was at a, um, uh, the workshop yesterday for National Accessibility Week, they were saying 80% of the buildings that are built now will still be around 20 years from now. So it's not just now, it's building for the future. Um, yeah, so we're, right now, uh, from your perspective, what are the biggest issues you see when it comes to accessibility? I would say um, that it, it, um, it's not just Accessibility is good, but there's a lot of issues, you know, around housing. There's, it's good, you know, building these houses, but I mean, building these buildings that we were just talking about. But if you don't build, you know, accessible housing um, that's affordable and and decent, then there's there's no point because where where are all of us gonna live? Type of thing, you know. But I would say. The other main thing is just just the awareness. Um, yeah, so yeah. housing definitely is, is you know is an issue, especially here in the Lower Mainland where it's 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 so expensive. You know, I mean we have we have um, <clears throat> pardon me home share um, uh, people here who, who you know who who get paid a certain stipend by the government to support and care for people in their home, people who have extra space, and that's for generally for people with cognitive disabilities. Um, and but it's 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 people make more money just renting their house out to to regular renters or even Airbnb. So it, it be, the problem becomes even bigger just because of the cost of living here. Yeah, I mean, um, I recently, I don't know if you want to discuss this more in depth later, but I will say that even like me living in my own house is great. Like the house I have now is great because I, I have my own, you know, I'm on my parents' medical plan, et cetera. Um, but even like looking for accessible hotels, because uh, I recently started, you know, wanting to go away for a couple weekends here and there. Finding an accessible hotel is great, and the, everybody's everybody's definition of accessibility is great. Um, like everybody's access, pardon me, we said that again. Everybody's uh, definition of accessibility is great. Like, but I'm in a wheelchair, so my definition of accessibility. Um, may not work, will not work for a blind person. So there's there's multiple um, de like deafness. What works for a blind person definitely will work for somebody who's deaf or hard of hearing. So um, mm -hmm. that's important. Yeah, I mean thing things even like like a round doorknob 
can be a challenge for somebody instead of yeah. just like a lever where you can you know use a different part of your arm it's th- those kind of things that i think sometimes the the general public just you know it's not that they're 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 ignorant but they just just don't necessarily think about that and like uh, something accessible could just be as something as small as opening a door that we just seem to take for granted right that that is also that's very important now, so in terms of technology, tell me a little bit about the technology that helps you uh, make your life better. Yeah, so I um, I have had, um, um, you know, uh, I had the Tetris Society build a phone holder, and so that my phone can be on my chair for safety. I have our Google Home. Thanks for the tech. Uh, thanks for the thanks to the technology of uh, technology for living um, you know all that Google home uh, that I actually hook up to Google Nest so that um, I can see actually who comes to my door um, so so all that you know minor things expensive things got to keep in mind that technology is already always expensive um, but all these expensive things um, are are or are um they make a huge difference yeah like companies like apple and and microsoft they're you know they're de- developing apps all the time that become become assistive uh and and make yeah. you know independent living living possible like you say google nest i mean ipads are are you know just changing the world in in more ways than just yeah. accessing information i mean like i have an iphone and i I can only, I have cerebral palsy and I only have use in my left hand. So I can use, you know, the, the button to activate the Siri, but then I'll be like, text, you know, so-and-so. And it'll text. It may come up with some unusual words um, or some swear words, but it, it'll work with practice, excuse me, but it, it'll work. Um, but the point is that the technology is there, and I would say, you know, if not just iPhones, computers, etc., but wheelchairs, like I have a power wheelchair. Um, thankfully, that technology was generated um, years ago, but now they have chairs that you know you can, you know, smart homes. They can, the wheelchair can control your own home, like your whole entire home, you know thousands of dollars later but the technology is there you know yeah so, it's exactly and it's like when when in in terms of that technology it's, it becomes easier to scale doesn't it like you've got you've got one sort of program which has a bunch of code and whatever but then replicating it again becomes cheaper so it becomes even more accessible but i mean when you look back 10 years ago um how is as how has technology changed your life has that been a, a big part of it for you um, yeah, well, I would say that I was lucky enough to to be born in to be born in the in the in the nineties, and and uh, I was very fortunate to be born into a world where technology was coming. I mean, back then there wasn't a lot of technology, but um, the the it was coming. It's expensive. Uh, it was expensive, but. All these things, and people don't realize, you know, if you spend a little bit more now, it may be, you know, cheaper in the in the future. Um, so, 
Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and the and when a term comes to all the you know the the, the technologies and, and the phone holders and things like that that you need to get through your life, um, how how much of that are you out of pocket for? How much of that do social programs cover? How much do uh, medical plans cover? Yeah. So in terms of uh, the ministry, only so I I got to be very careful what I what I talk about here, but in terms of wheelchairs. The ministry will only fund, you know, the bare minimum power chair so I can get in my chair and get around, you know. Um, all all the rest of it um, would would come out, of, you know. Luckily, my parents have a very good medical plan. So any advice out there would be, you know, make sure you get a good medical plan. But, but that's just a side note, kind of a joke, but seriously make sure you get a good uh find a good medical plan um but um the chair i'm sitting in right now was sixty thousand dollars so like my parents the government paid for a little bit and then um my parents medical paid for a little bit but even that i we still had to pay a little bit out of pocket um i just got afos that i still had to pay i the ministry covered a little bit, um, um, and uh, we still had to pay out of pocket a little bit. So it's it, it's a little bit complicated, and I don't really know how much you want me to get into because I could spend hours teaching you about that. Yeah, I'm sure you could. <laughs> um, but I guess I guess that is the question: um, Does BC have room to improve its care for people with disabilities? Yeah, well, I mean, um, what I would say is that um, BC is one of the more progressive provinces as it becomes, as it comes to people. With, uh, sorry, repeat, start over that again. My apologies. BC is one of the more progressive provinces as it relates to, um, you know, treatment of people with disabilities, um, um, care, support, um Etc. Um, but there's all, always um, 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 there's always room to improve, and you know there's all this research now. Not so much with people with physical disabilities, but more seniors. But there's more um, research that um, indicates for seniors, and not so much with people with physical disabilities. But also the same thing is. They want people um, with disabilities and um, with disabilities and especially aging to be able to age in place. So that's the aging in place essentially means to be able to stay in their home as much as they as much as 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 much as they can. So yeah, yeah, that def- definitely is that is that a big concern for you? Like, how does your future look to you? Well, I, I I will say, going back to the previous question, my apologies. Thankfully, I'm on the CISO program, um, which is a choice in support for independent living. Um, the choice in, in yeah, thanks. Uh, the choice is in support for independent living, which is a good, which is a good program. But I will say they will only cover uh, medical, like medical needs, a.k.a. Um, uh, you know, going to the washroom 
and you know brushing teeth and etc. Um, but as you know, and all your listeners will know, and as I know, um, life isn't always about you know showering and all the, all the personal care needs. Um, so, for instance, if I wanted to go swimming, I would need two support workers for for safety. Um, but um, I can't I can't do that. So, but swimming is important for my therapy. So I kind of sometimes have to choose, oh, do I have enough funding now to do this or do I not? And often it's I don't. Um, we we can have a debate about funding. That would be another podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe which, we should. <laughs> we the, That would be another podcast, which we don't, we don't have time to do that I, we don't have time to do that at the moment but I'd be more than happy to come back and join you again um, if you wanted to have a much longer podcast about funding specifics etc but um, that's that's basically it in a nutshell but outside of the CISO funding um, that, because I live in my home um, my parents then have to you know when my workers leave, they take over, which they love doing it. But my mom, she's really good at it, but she is older. And she, mm-hmm. a lot of people with, uh, a lot of people with physical disabilities, their moms end up, end up, you know, uh, busting their shoulders, which my mom has a wrecked shoulder. She's got um, tendonitis, all, all those things. So, and, and migraines and, you know, all those things. Yeah. So, so that's what I mean. Is if you if they provide more, but more funding, which I know is, is tricky, but it all comes back to what I was saying to you earlier. Is if they provide more now, then it would provide more mental and physical wellness, so that it would cost the medical system a lot less in the long run. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's uh, let's shift the conversation a little bit here. So, tell me a little bit about your business around education and public speaking. Yeah, so um, the business rolling with Nathan, like you mentioned, the website off the top. Um, so, what that is is, um, I originally um, prior to COVID, so this was twenty nineteen. After getting the business going, I wanted to go into elementary and high schools to educate educate them about, you know, accessibility and people with physical disabilities, all kinds of, you know, disabilities, etc. Um, but then COVID hit. So um, with the advice of my family and support teams, I then pivoted to speaking to medical students, like nursing students, people in healthcare system programs, um, nursing like nursing, um, doctors, all, and thankfully, I've been able to do it virtually, so not just in BC, but all over Canada, and thankfully, all the, all the feedback has been very, very positive, and, and they often ask me to come back, because what I find, and I work with a lot of, I've worked with, and I still work with a lot of nursing and medical students, is they find a job like working with me is very important as they go into the medical field. Um, they say, oh, I, I, you know, 
um, people graduated, they tell me, oh, I wish you were around, you were around when I was in school. Because the, the thing that I hear is a lot of people can learn. Like, you can learn a lot of things by a textbook. But until you hear it from somebody who actually receives it, and until you actually do the care of a patient in a, in a hospital, it's totally different. Um, so. Yeah, that definitely would be true. If so, when you when you speak to a group or or someone, what what are the some what are the key messages that you want to get across to people? Um, that's a that's a good question. Basically, what I wanna what I basically want to do is I want to basically because I talk about my surgeries, my medical treatments, etc. But um, what I would say is that. Um, I, I talk about my nursery medical treatment, but I basically want to um, inst- instill, um, you know, w- w- the, and kind of empathy and you know, kind of make them um, realize, you know, how to communicate with people with disabilities, you know, how we can feel pain uh, a, a little bit differently than other people because our pain tolerance might be higher. The, the, Minor things, but in a medical setting, can be very important. I will say, nursing nursing training today is a lot different than it was like a few years ago, even. So even doing even doing that, and the way the the schools train now is a lot lot different. And I can I can tell you that a lot of the like the younger nurses that are just graduating now. Um, they're very, they're very in, enthusiastic and passionate about what they do. Um, you know, the older generation one, there weren't as much education, you know, around disabilities and, you know, pain scale. There was a little bit, but all of it provides better education for them, which in, in turn provides better care for us. Is that me? I'm sorry, that was a long answer. But. <laughs> long answers are good ones. I'm going to um, uh, finish with one more uh, a little question here, sort of a statement that I, that I thought that I thought was really powerful. I uh, I can't remember where I read it. It's either on your Facebook page or or on your on your website that that you don't feel disabled. Can you speak to that a little bit? Right. Um, yeah. I don't. I I think what you're referring to is I don't feel disabled. It's more differently abled um what i mean is that a lot of people nowadays are like oh poor not not so much to me now they think i'm really cool but the older generation they uh, haven't seen uh people with disabilities as much they're used to it being in um instituted like people with disabilities being instituted whether it's physical cognitive whatever it is right so my my um, theory is that I'm differently abled. Yes, I can't walk, and I, but and I can't use my hands. But I have a um, I have a a, a a a very a very good. I have a, a, I can use my voice very well. I can I can do a lot a lot of things, and I told other people just because I can't walk. I can't walk, yes, but I I can do some things better than, you know, some able-bodied people can. Um, 
that's very true. Even just, you know, having a really good conversation is, is difficult for some people. But uh, I think that's all the time I'm going to take up. I really, really appreciate talking to you, Nathan. And really, thanks thanks for joining us today. Oh, yeah. Um, just before I go, um, just before I go, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> that's okay. This is something very important that my fabulous support worker has shoved some prompts in my face here um, to remind me to, uh, in relation to the housing um, question, I really encourage people um, to watch uh, a movie. It's on YouTube um, called Lauren's Story. So, uh, pardon? Um, Lauren. Sorry, it's not Laura. It's not Laura. Her name's Lauren. Um, and she, um, I don't know if some of your listeners might be familiar with um, Unity and Harmony and all that stuff, but there's a... Um, documentary on a lady named Lauren and it's basically about a housing product for people with uh, intellectual cognitive I'm not sure about physical disabilities but they were basically going to build housing for people with um, disabilities but also including um, um, include um, able-bodied people as well um, and that project was been denied but that that documentary is also really good at really good at illustrating the housing shortage. So housing shortage. Sorry, my pronunciation <laughs> isn't the greatest today, but I will say that um, that for all your listeners, it's on, it's on YouTube. It, it premiered at the um, uh, Inclusion BC conference last week, um, but that. Uh, is a really good illustration of you know how the how the housing shortage is very important not just for able-bodied people but for people of all abilities as well and that was called lauren's story yeah lauren's story it's on youtube okay um it's it's also if you go if you guys go on to my facebook page uh rolling with nathan just if you take that in on uh, Facebook, and you scroll down. There is a there is a uh, YouTube link. You can watch it there. Um, it's only twenty minutes, but it's it's the best um, documentary I've seen about housing. So I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, that sounds really good. And thanks again for to Nathan Shipley. We'll definitely go check out that video. You have been listening to Developmental Disabilities Association's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Again, our speaker, to, our guest today, rather, has been Nathan Shipley, a young man with cerebral palsy, is a staunch self-advocate and public speaker, bringing messages of hope and inspiration to the world. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.